and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast. I'm Dan O'Rourke, and along with me today are two of my favorite people in the world. Across the table from me is a smiling Father James Mallon. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Dan, and everyone else out there. And beside me is a also smiling, but uh, reading a Bible, uh, <laughs> which is an unusual way to start, uh, Ron Huntley. Good morning, Ron. Hey, Dan. How are you? I'm doing great today. Thanks so much, guys. I am so glad that we're back here in studio. Last time, of course, uh, I was on the road, and uh, that made the audio quality perhaps not as good, at least from my end, though you two were just fabulous. Thanks for noticing. So we've got a, fa- a really <laughs> we've got a really interesting topic today, guys. Uh, something that I think most of our listeners will, will know something about, which is sacraments. Sacraments. This is this is not a 101 we're going into today, though. This is not a hero what the sacraments are conversation, is it, Father? <laughs> no, I, I well, in one way, I think you could say it is. Because, I mean, I think what we we're trying to do is really put sacraments in their proper context. And, and that begins by, of course, recognizing the fact that uh, we're sac- sacraments are an incredible gift. You know, the, mm-hmm. the sacraments come from Jesus himself. You know, he's, he's the one who both directly and indirectly instituted the sacraments is, is, a, is a way that we can encounter the Lord and, and encounter his grace and mercy. Uh, so they're great gifts, but yet, you know, how do we how do we experience them in, in the fullness? And I think when we look around us, you know, in in many parishes, we see that, um, as it's said, that many Catholics are sacramentalized, but not necessarily evangelized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really. I think you've laid a real good foundation for for much of what I think we're hoping to to talk about today. Uh, so, so Ron, why do you think uh, sacraments are, are the right conversation for us to have? Well, it certainly gets brought up a lot, and it probably, when you think about the divine renovation that we've been on, uh, we're living this out in real time, and there's a lot of uh, things that we continually have to remind ourselves about why we're doing what we're doing as we're trying to change, because change hasn't been easy. It's not easy, and we're, we're not saying we have all the answers yet, but we sure are trying, and let me tell you why we're trying. You know, I can think of so many times that parents have come up to me and their kids maybe are off in university or what have you, and they say to me, Ron, what do we do? Our, our kids aren't going to church anymore. Uh, in fact, they don't even have faith anymore. And we've done everything the Catholic Church told us to do. We've been faithful, good parents, and it didn't work. We did all the sacraments. Mm. Yeah, we did them. And, you know, and, you know, 40, 50 years ago, that, that would have been fine, but we live in a very, very different world, you know. Like to say that we've seen the most accelerated change in human history in the last fifty years, but our models of ministry in parishes essentially have not changed. Right, and so that's one of the things that that we need to really tackle. And we do talk about it in the book. Uh, we want to uh, kind of give give a brief overview, perhaps a few little insights uh, that are, that are not in the book, uh, as well as you know hitting again those the, those solid principles, and also getting some perspective from Ron about you know his, his role as overseeing our pastoral staff as well. Um, yeah, so that's what we're hoping to do today. Excellent. So uh, why don't we why don't we get into this a little bit? Uh, why are we why are we talking about sacraments and really what are the purpose of sacraments? So lay lay some of the foundation for us, Father. Well, before you talk about the purpose of sacraments, we go back to say that you know it said that um, the seven sacraments, but uh, the, the church is the sacrament of Christ, and Christ is the sacrament of God. So Jesus is you know the the as it says in in, in Colossians the 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 image of the unseen God. You know, so Jesus Himself is the sacrament of God. Jesus is something you can touch and see, and and uh, as as it says in First John, you know, it's something that we have seen, and 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 so Jesus from Jesus comes the the the, the church. He's the head, 
Uh, the church is his body, and, and within the church there are there are seven sacraments. So when you talk about the purpose of the sacraments, you got to really say what's the purpose of the church. Mm. That's really that's really the, the the core question. And I always go back to the Great Commission. I mean, you know, Jesus in Matthew twenty eight said, "Go make disciples, baptize, and teach." And and of course, if you read the book, it's uh, it makes the point that the the finite verb is make disciples. And so grammatically and theologically, that's the heart. Go make disciples, and then baptize them and teach them, because the others are, are are participles in a sense. So, so the central task is making disciples. And I often would say to people, okay, you know, of these four verbs, go make, baptize, and teach. What do you think is the most important one? What do you think is the heart of the sentence? Of the, is is the the heart of the sentence? And hardly anyone ever chooses make disciples. Hmm. And I've actually got a a theory as to why that is. Oh, wow. And it's not in the book. And it's not in the <laughs> You're book. You're hearing no, it no, first. No, no, it's, it's, this uh, was going to be in the sequel. Divine yes, Renovation, yeah, it is. book number two. And it's all St. Jerome's fault. <laughs> really? Yes. I'm sorry, St. Jerome. It was his feast day a few days ago, but uh, I think it's his fault. Wow. All right, well, uh, you can't I'm, keep, I'm, me, on I'm of, you I'm can't keep me on the edge of my chair much longer. Okay, well, here, this, what is well, the theory? This is really cool because I've often thought, if you look at what we do, you know, as opposed to what we say, I've often thought, you know, you would think that the Great Commission for Catholics would be go baptize and teach. Because guess what? That's what we do in mm. parishes. We, we, we baptize and we teach. Uh, we, we, we celebrate sacraments and we do catechesis. We baptize and we teach. What do we often fail to do? Make disciples. And, uh, and that's why there's frustrated parents, frustrated pastors, frustrated everyone because you know, we're putting people, people are jumping through hoops and we never see the them process. again. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So we're not, so, but why is that? And I remember it was a couple of months ago, I was, I was praying the evening prayer and in the, in the, the, the intercessions I was praying, it said, Lord, Lord Jesus, you told your disciples to go and teach all nations and baptize them. I thought, wow, go teach and baptize. And then I kind of a light went on in my head. And I thought back to the, the prayer for the blessing of water and the rite of baptism. And I, I ran and I got the book and I opened it up and it says, go teach and baptize. I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Huh. Go teach, baptize. And then I thought about it. Actually, I looked it up in the Latin. I won't get too tacky with you. I looked it up in the Latin and sure enough, the word docete, is, which means teach, is right there. Right, Ron? You got that? I got that. You got that? And so, well, here's, here's, what, here's what it is. Because the text of the liturgy is, uh, is taken from the Latin Vulgate. And so I went back to the Latin Vulgate and I looked to see how St. Jerome translated Matthew 28. Uh, it, Mathetusity in Greek, it means to make disciples. Here's the, cool, here's the really cool thing. Okay, now, St. Jerome was very, very literal in his translations. Like he, he translated he, into Latin, was the language of the people at the time, right? He wanted to put yeah. it into the common language, but he translated in a very literal way, uh, so much so that he often broke... Uh, Latin grammar rules to mirror the exact sentence structure of the Greek. In Latin, there's no word, just like in English. You can't say make disciples. You need two words. Okay. In Latin, you need two words as well. He translated that verb to make disciples. He used the verb to teach. Mm. So in Jerome's translation, it literally the Great Commission literally says, go teach all nations, baptize them, and teach them. I'm I'm not I'm not making this up. You're blowing it's my mind. Go right now. <laughs> teach, baptize, teach. So that's what we've been doing. So we've actually done a great job. Well, what happened is that is that that this text, this translation, is absorbed into the liturgy, 
and it's been used for over a thousand years. In the liturgy, we've been saying, Lord Jesus, you told your church to go teach all nations and baptize them. Hmm. And that's what we're doing. And I think that that this, uh, in a sense, mistranslation, you, you, you could say, because, you know, the discipleship, uh, making disciples, there's a component of that means you, you, you have to teach them. But... But in a sense, if all we do is, is teach and baptize without making disciples, and we're going to have to maybe talk about, well, what do you mean by make disciple? Because make disciple is when someone is truly evangelized. Right. Because you, you don't... sent, like is compelled to go forward and share with others well, and you don't bring want them to, learn. to Christ too. You, you don't want to learn unless you've, you, your heart's been touched. Yeah. But if it's just information. But that's what we've, we've said in liturgy. And there's a great expression in the church that says... Lex orandi, Lex credendi. You didn't know you were going to get a Latin lesson this morning. I didn't know Lex that. orandi, Lex credendi. This is really cool. It means the law of praying <laughs> is the law of believing. How we pray shapes what we believe. Interesting. So here we're saying, we're using this text, the, this the mistranslation. Yeah, and it's teaching us that the purpose of the church is to teach and baptize. And I think that's why over the years when I've spoken to lay people, priests and bishops and asked this question, no one ever chooses make disciples because it's not it's not in our operating system and i think this is a huge problem and and uh I, this is my theory uh, i could be totally wrong on this but I think it kind of it kind of makes. So you sense. did not give me a heads up. We were going to talk about this. So I, I pulled up Dewey Rames here because that used to be one of my favorite translations. Dewey, because I have a passion for Saint Dewey Rames. I already checked it like, out. It's teach. I, yeah, and not only it's that, teach. the King James, <laughs> the King James Bible also says teach. That was the impact of 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 twelve hundred years of Saint Jerome, because the Dewey Rames Bible actually was translated into English before the King James Bible. It was translated from the Latin, but it actually is an English translation. It predates the, the, the King James Bible, which is really cool. But yeah, it's it's teach. It's teach. It's teach. It's absolutely. But this teach. is what we do. Going there for teach all nations. If you look at most parishes, what do most parishes do? Uh, other than Sunday Mass, you have sacramental pre- preparation in children's catechesis. And generally, that's 90% of, of the energy and activity of many, many parishes. And what's the fruit? Oh, this is the thing. It's, it's very, very frustrating. Ron, t- tell me, we, we talked about if the purpose is to make a disciple, what, what, is, what does a disciple look like? What, what, is, what is that? Well, we've just been spending some time in that with our staff, haven't we? Just kind of going through and discussing what a missionary disciple looks like. But, you know, in my heart of hearts, if, if, you, if we believe what we say believe, and this was one of my struggles when I first started reading Scripture in my early 20s, if I believe what's written in Scripture, it tells me to go and, and make disciples and spread the good news. I didn't know how to do that. Not only did I not know how to do that, I didn't see anybody in the Catholic Church doing that. Sure, the clergy does it to us on Sundays from the pulpit, but big deal. We're not (laughs) non-believers. We're believers or we wouldn't be there. So I didn't even see the priests doing it. And so I feel compelled and called to do it and completely ill-equipped. And it really started to eat me up inside. And in fact, that's when I ran into you or we went for a coffee on Spring Garden Road that day. And that's where we had that alpha conversation because I'd recently done it in somebody's home. A non-denominational Christian, great guy. There's no connection to the church, mind you, which which kind of confused me a bit. But then when you and I talked about it, you said, well, the Mass is meant for the initiated. And, I, and all those other things are supposed to be done for, outside. Well, for, 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 for the evangelized as well, is meant for the evangelized. Good point, good point. And the whole idea of of bringing, sharing the good news and, and making disciples, that's supposed to happen 
all the rest of the week. And that's when we had the discussion about the need to do Alpha in Catholic churches because we really weren't doing it. Well, the, the word disciple itself comes from a, a word that means to learn. So a, a disciple is, is one who, who, who's learning. And it's like anything, you, if, someone doesn't, if someone's not interested, you can't teach them. So true. You mm -hmm. can't teach them. If the, if the, if you can get them to maybe memorize stuff, but it, it, does, it doesn't last. It doesn't stick. But yet when you, when you fall in love with the Lord, when you experience him, it's like you can't get enough. You become like a sponge and you want it. And that's really the goal, which really means it's another way of saying like we, we seek change lives, right? Mm -hmm. We believe in a God who can change lives. Jesus wants to change and transform our lives for the good. It's nothing to be afraid of. And that's what we love so much around here at the parish when we whenever there's a story of, of, of changed lives, it's 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 beautiful. And when the Lord changes lives, that's the beginning of a disciple. That's the beginning of, of, of discipleship. And it's obvious. You know, sometimes I've heard people say that, oh, you know, you're really not going to know if you're having an impact for 20 or 30 years. I say baloney. Yeah. It, it, baloney. God changes your life, you're going to know it, and you're going to see it in your friends, and you're going to see it in behaviors and attitudes and dispositions. There's no well, mistake in a life that's been touched by Jesus Christ. Last night we had our, our Alpha Come and See Night, and I, one of the guys who got up and, and spoke at the beginning just gave a short testimony. He said, uh, for 47 years I, I didn't go to church and I didn't really believe in God. And he went on to talk about how the Lord just totally transformed his life, and it's changed him. You know, and and it was it was one of uh, a number of testimonies, but we celebrate that here, and and we're trying to get a culture of 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 testimony, which means we we expect God to change lives, we expect disciples to be made, because that's the primary goal. That's why we do this, and that's ultimately what sacraments are. Remember, Jesus said, "Go make disciples," and that's the finite verb. That's the heart of the sentence. It's the heart of the Great Commission, and then baptize and teach. And even see the Catechism, of the Catholic Church says the same thing. And in paragraph uh, section 1072, it says this liturgy and sacraments must be preceded by evangelization, faith, and conversion. Hmm. But so often there's a huge gap between our theology and our practice. Or, and our practice is really rooted in what I like to call it the operating system. It's like we've got a, a theological operating system often at the parish level that's very different uh, from, the, from the official theology. Um, one of my favorite passages is, and I forget off the top of my head where it is in the gospel, but you know the story when the guys bring the, the paralyzed man to Jesus? Yeah, Mark mm -hmm. chapter 2, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very impressive. Very good. <laughs> but you know what I'm struck about that is, is like... The fact I'm, checkers at home are checking that to see how right wrong might have Because pe people say when they, they say about sacraments, they're like, oh man, it's like, how do you... How do you tackle this? It's so huge, and it's how do we begin to change this? But it's, I think, it comes back to the question: the, the times in my life as a pastor when I've been inclined to just say, oh, "Just go, just go along, just go with the flow, don't challenge it, don't rock the boat." It always comes back to me: is how badly do I desire people to meet Jesus? Mm -hmm. And are the people going through our sacramental programs are they meeting Jesus? And when you meet Jesus, you'll never be the same. And I th they think of that man who was lowered through the roof at the feet of Jesus. Jesus, you know, my son, your sins are forgiven. He got up and he walked. He, he was not only cured physically, he was cured spiritually. His life was transformed. It would never have happened if those guys hadn't been crazy enough to push through the, the crowd, climb up on Peter's roof. And, and I mean, I'm not sure I would want to dig a hole in Peter's roof. <laughs> I mean, he was a fisherman, right? He's, and I think he probably had. I, I view Peter as like this guy, you know, big tattoos, like a big Popeye arms, and probably had a few choice words, a lot of colorful 
vocabulary. <laughs> in Capernaum was a small town. Like he he would know where I live, you know. So to rip through his roof was was a big deal. And these guys had a had an incredible conviction that Jesus could make a difference in someone's life, and they were willing to do whatever it took to make it happen. And that haunts me. And as I look as a pa- parish priest, and I look at how we put so much of our energy and effort into sacraments that are, that, let's be honest, produce very little fruit. And we're going to maybe talk about this later because people say, well, you know, at some point they might the sacrament oh. might kick in, you know, 20 years from now mm-hmm. as if it's some kind of time release capsule thing. Um, it's this very little fruit. And, and what are we willing to do to change this so that we can see changed lives? Father James, it's interesting, you know, because we just kicked off our daytime alpha and I'm sitting in a group with... Uh, uh, older people that have retired, and right beside me, one of the questions we ask on the first day is, what made you decide to come to Alpha? And we had a, a, a parish priest from another uh, parish in on in my small group with me, and the guy beside me says, oh, oh, we said, if you had one question you could ask God, what would it be? He'd, he said, am I going to hell? He said, you know what? I was brought up in the church, and I went through the sacraments. I was an altar boy, but I was a robot. I did what they told me to do. I, was, I didn't question anything. I didn't feel there was an air of being able to ask questions. And he said, eventually in my life, I just realized, I don't like this. I don't want anything to do with this. And he said, I've been away from the church, and am I go- you know, is God going to forgive me? I feel like I'm a good guy. But he was just so angry. And, and I see all these heads around this small group. They're all nodding in agreement with this man. Uh, that they never felt like they could be themselves or ask questions or anything else. And so, you know, does it kick in 20 years later? I'm not so sure it does because I'm sitting with a bunch of 60 and 70-year-olds who are so hurt and confused and don't have a faith that's life-giving. It, and it goes back to um, the context, again, of, of where, do, you know, where does everything fit in? And I think that often as Catholics, uh, you know, it's 500 years since the Reformation, but we're still living in a in a in a kind of in a, a counter Reformation process. And of course, the Reformation. I mean, the uh, you know Martin Luther and and the 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 the, the, the breakaway, the whole split in the church, and and it really was you know since that time, there's been this debate: ward and sacrament. You know, ward and sacrament. If you walk into traditional Protestant churches, you'll see that the 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 pulpit is in the center and it's raised on high. And usually, the if they do communion, there's a little table that's not even in the sanctuary; it's way way down on the floor. Uh, that speaks. If you go to a traditional Catholic churches, you'll see the high altar right at the center, raised on high, and the pulpit is way off to the side somewhere. You know, <laughs> and uh, it, it's it's like the, the Reformation said, "It's the word, it's the word," and Catholics were like, "Oh yeah." Get watch just you just watch us. It's the sacraments. It's the sacraments, and, and, and but yet the Christian tradition has never been. It's never been word against sacrament. That that this is false, and the Second Vatican Council kind of restored this. Called churches in in the architecture. If if you go in to have um, the sacra- the the altar, and the 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 amble or the the, the pulpit to be at the same level. Uh, to be made of the same material and to possibly look like each other, because he said the, the the altar is the table of the Eucharist and the ambo or the pulpit is the table of the Word of God. It's word and sacrament. In fact, it's word leads to sacrament. This is very, very important. The word leads to sacrament. All of the sacraments, all of the liturgy in the last 50 years since the revision of liturgy, whether it's blessings or whatever, it always is preceded by the Word of God. Uh, you know, and, and so it's the word that that evokes faith because 
Paul says in Romans, it's faith comes through hearing. Mm-hmm. You know, we hear the proclamation of the gospel, we come to faith, and it's that faith and evangelization in, that, that happens before liturgy and sacraments. And it's, and it's through the words that we come to the sacraments. But if we isolate the words in faith and conversion, and you just have sacraments, you have a kind of sacramentalism that 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 I think is is not Catholic. It's not a Catholic approach, and I sometimes see that today in the church. There's almost like the sacraments that, as if the sacraments in isolation is are all we need, and sometimes there's an attitude that is well, we've got the sacraments, so we don't really have to do anything else. Mm. Well, well, and I wonder too. What your perspective on this is, because uh, I, I know I, when I lived in Moncton, I, we had a person who would go to the Wesleyan Church besides great people. They'd invite us all the time and say very nicely, say, no, no, thank you, thank you, no, no, thank you. And after a couple of years of really getting to know this person and their son hanging out with my son, I felt bad for saying no 300 times. And so they said, oh, there's a concert. Why don't you come? Uh, it's during our regular service. And so I went to a mass at a different time so that I could say yes and, and receive this invitation. And I was amazed at the preaching. And, and it's what you're saying, um, you know, because in some Catholic churches I've been to, the preaching's actually been awful. It doesn't seem like there's any focus on actually being good at it. And so it doesn't inspire Well, we don't have to be good at, at it because we've got the Eucharist. <laughs> well, that's, that's the sense. You can't leave. We have the Eucharist. Well, you're terrible at everything else. If the music's not good, the preaching's not good, hospitality's not good. But I feel tied because of the Eucharist. And don't get me wrong. It's not a bad thing. I love the Eucharist and I love our church. But, boy, if we could be really good at the other things, I think it would make the Eucharist an amazing experience for people. And it's not just the experience of Sunday morning. It's the experience of the whole Christian life. You know, the Second Vatican Council said that the Eucharist is the source in the summit of the Christian life. And that's, that's a great expression. But if the only experience of the Christian life in the course of the week is the one hour you come to celebrate the Eucharist, then... The Eucharist is actually not the source of anything, and it's not the summit of anything. Mm. And and the Eucharist, therefore, doesn't have its rightful place in our lives. There's got to be something in between. Uh, and so I think sacramentalism, I don't know if that's a real word, but you know, I just kind of made that up. But I think we need to be aware of it and kind of combat it, that sacraments in and of themselves, they, they need a context. They need the context of the proclamation of the gospel, the invitation to faith. And they are, in a sense, a beautiful consummation. And one of the things we see around here when people have their hearts and and lives changed by God, they fall in love with Jesus, the sacraments come to life. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't throw around a a non-word like sacramentalism, which I think is also in your book, if I recall correctly. (laughs) I'm not sure if I use that word in my book. All right. so That might be like post-book. Post-book? Either way, why why don't you talk a little bit more about what you mean when you say sacramentalism? Well, I mean just that, what we've been talking about, that somehow the sacraments in and of themselves can be can be lifted out, and, and all we need is the sacraments. And I think it's very much um, in our, 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 our genes as Catholics. I mean, some, there's some traditional Catholics, it's kind of like the approach to Mass. I, I do say this in the book, that if you said, next week I'm only going to preach for 10 minutes, people would be very happy. You said, next week I'm only going to preach for five minutes, people would be happier. And if you finally said, look, let's just do away with this preaching thing altogether and just come and get communion, I think people there's a certain uh, element of, of Catholics who would be absolutely thrilled with that. Because in the end, what's all that stuff for anyway? All you need is the sacraments. Just give me the sacraments. But guess what? It's killing us. Yeah. Because unless people come to faith and come into relationship with God, unless people are made disciples, it's not gonna it's not gonna produce lasting fruit. Because we've got this kind of almost magical understanding of sacraments, uh, which again is not Catholic theology. Well, and I wonder too, Father James is. 
you know, I I wonder if people just think that if I get the sacraments, I'm going to heaven. Like I ran, I went into Tim Hortons uh, a couple of years ago, and a, a person recognized me uh, from the church, and they said, "Oh, Ron, I got a question for you." As I'm leaving, I said, "Oh yeah." He said, "My son's get ready. He's old enough to get done now. Uh, how do I get? How do I make that happen?" I said, "Well, what do you mean?" She said, "Well, it's time for his first communion." I said, "Well, have you been going to church?" She says, "No." She said, I'm way too busy with hockey. And by the way, my son plays high-end hockey, so I know what that looks like. Uh, I said, well, then why do you want to get him first communion? Do you have any intention on being a part of the community? She says, no, 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 I don't have time for that. I said, well, what are you doing it for? So you guys will go to heaven or something? Like, is that what you think? Do you have like a passport with the sacraments? You just got to get it stamped? It's people's thought is that, well, I need to get my kids to heaven, so I need to get them done. So what do you say to parents and who think that way? Uh, I know what I said, but I might have been wrong. But what, did, what would you say? Well, it, it, it's a scary thing. I mean, in the end, God judges. God is the judge, and we judge it according to our conscience, whether our conscience was was formed or, or not. And if our conscience, if we if we don't know, if we're ignorant, the question is, well, are we liable for that ignorance? You know, is it our? You know, could, could, should we have known? So we leave those those things to God, but in the in the end, you know, the word sacrament and sacramentum in Latin um, is well. It, anyway, I won't get into the what words it translates, but in in the pre-Christian culture, the sacramentum was was like a public oath, a, a sacred oath. It was the, the term sacramentum was used for the oath that a, a, a legionary, a Roman soldier, would make. Uh, it was a sacramentum. And if you broke the sacramentum, it was there were very, very serious consequences. So the, the original meaning of, of sacramentum is oath, an oath. When you celebrate sacraments, you, there is oath-taking. You, we make, well, first of all, principally, it's God who makes an oath to us. Hmm. You, I, am, uh, I am your God and I am yours and you are mine. I mean, that's, that's covenant faith, right? So God is first, first makes an oath to us. And, and that's the beautiful thing in the sacraments is that we can, we can trust that God is at work. It doesn't matter how you feel at the time. You don't have to evaluate the, 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 the reality of the experience by, by my emotional state. We have that guarantee that God is going to work in the sacraments. But we also make an oath to God. Mm. We stand up and make promises to God. And, and I say to people, don't perjure yourself. And what are we doing in pastoral ministry when we facilitate perjury before God? And one of the core principles of pastoral ministry is to meet people where they're at or where they are, proper English. And of course, we have to do that. You've got to meet people where they are and then, and then love them enough to not leave them where they are. You've got to move them along. And, and meeting people where they are sometimes means saying, you know, we would love to do this. We really would love to do it, but let's help you get ready. And I always say this, I would say this to some, some of our staff, that we should never say no. We should no to a sacrament. Should, it should not be in a vocabulary. It should, we should never say no. But it means that probably we have to start saying more often, not, maybe not yet. So whether not you yet. guys are at Tim Hortons or, or here at St. Benedict... Uh, I imagine. Should we, should we explain what Tim Hortons is in case there's any of those <laughs> oh, yeah, non-Canadian right. listeners? <laughs> it's a coffee shop. It's coffee shop. It's very, uh, very good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, named after a hockey player. Named maybe after we... a hockey player in proper Canadian yeah. fashion. Uh, we could maybe get sponsorship for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it would be better than the coffee that you guys make here. Oh, no. Oh, uh, oh. Oh. Okay, back to sacraments. Lost my charity there. Um, <laughs> so, so, look, what I'm hearing is that because 
you, both of you at St. Benedict, you have a certain understanding of sacraments. I think they, I do think, as someone who comes, who's coming into this space with you, I think you do approach this differently. And I do think, you know, that you're not at Tim Hortons necessarily saying yes. I mean, you didn't give us what you actually said to him, but I'm imagining the answer wasn't, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, come on and Do you want to know? I'll tell you. Absolutely. Jump in, Ron. What would it be? I said to her, you know what? We're in the business of helping families have amazing faith. And if, if that's something you're interested in, I'd encourage you to come to Alpha and come to faith. Come understand why we get so excited about Christ. And once you understand that, then it will put into a perspective hockey and, and, and faith and church and, and those types of things. Uh, but if you have no intention on ever coming to the church or being involved in a family of faith, then you don't need to get your son to receive First Communion. It's not necessary because he has no context of faith in his family to put that in. And so I'm going to encourage you to come to Alpha and come get to know Christ. And from there, we can talk about what the sacraments look like. Which really is, according to our theology, according to the Catechism, according to the Great Commission, is is absolutely correct. But yet there's a part of our Catholic uh, programming that goes, oh, how can you say that? How can you do that? Because we're supposed to do, we're supposed to give sacraments, and and I think this is the thing that we we generally do what we do because we think it's what we're supposed to do, right? And and this is a hard thing for us to break because deep down we believe the church is supposed to teach and baptize, and celebrate sacraments. That the primary goal of the mission of the church is to do sacraments with people, and so when we talk about maybe you know uh having a different process or saying not yet or or possibly taking an approach that might make people say well i'm not i don't want to do that forget it that that horrifies us but but this is not what jesus said jesus said go and make disciples and then baptize them and i think this is is a huge thing for us and it really literally means going back to like Early church mod, to say, you know, pre-Constantinian era, you know, the Emperor Constantine, who who was the emperor when, when Christianity was 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 made legal and 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 became the kind of the eventually became the religion of the empire. Uh, well, we've lived in that era for for all these centuries and centuries. Well, now we're back to the early church, so we've got to we've got to go back to the, the approach of 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 the early church, and, so, and and that means you know, like once again, saying we, we've got to we want to see change lives, we want to see the fruit. Is the answer from 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 you both? Is it the same for all the sacraments? Because I think that you know you, a lot of parishes out there, and I think you deal with this a little bit in your book. A lot of parishes wouldn't uh, wouldn't deflect. They wouldn't say yes, but you have to you, you have to be in relationship. So like when it comes to things like first communion, confirmation, marriage, how do you deal with with uh, people who are walking through the doors? Well, those are huge questions. Though here's what we're thinking: is that we we would like we could do a podcast on. On what we do with, with 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 marriage, and and we could do a whole podcast on on baptism, uh, on first communion, and first reconciliation, working with families and with kids, uh, sacrament of the sick. So I, I think that 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 I mean, I don't honestly I, I could we could open that door and get down it, but I think we I I think th- that that question deserves a whole podcast in itself. And if I could just comment without to Father James's point without getting into anything, you know I. When people, my sense is, because I've heard people hear Father James or myself and be scandalized and say, oh, I could never do that. And I think what they're saying is, I don't want to turn anybody away because I love people and I don't think Jesus would turn anybody away because he loves people. So their intent is great. But what I would say to them, what are you measuring? Start measuring your sacraments and actually people that become missionary disciples. And if the number is zero... (laughs) 
then I'm saying to you, read uh, Luke chapter 6, I think it's verse 43, but I don't have my glasses on, but it says this, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. Are you measuring the fruit? I'll tell you, to, to the priests out there that are listening or the leaders out there, I'm a pew sitter, like I'm a Catholic who sits in the pews, I'm a father. We all know what doesn't work and does work. We're not surprised. There's a huge elephant in the room called effectiveness. And we expect it everywhere else in the world, and clearly from the scripture, it's expected. And yet, we are getting dismal results and we're pretending that nobody notices, and it kills me because we do notice. And you know what? The, the irony of this is that we've even developed a theology, I think, to that is built, built around the lack of visible fruit, because there, the, in the sacraments, in sacramental theology, there is invisible dimensions, and there are visible dimensions. There's the the visible sign and the, the visible element of of that usually is associated with with the church with. You know, say baptism, the visible element is is water and, and also the fact you become a member of the community. But there's also invisible dimensions, you know, the washing away of sin or and in, in, in such in, in, in grace. And we've basically developed a theology of baptism of, of, of around the sacraments that has to do with the invisible fruit. Well, that's actually quite convenient. I mean, imagine a job where all the results of your job were invisible. <laughs> and your boss comes and says, uh, so what have you done today? Well, it's all invisible. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you don't have to give any any accounting. But you look in the Gospels, Jesus talked all the time about, about bearing fruit. He, he says, I'm the vine, you're, you're the branches. You know, every branch in me that bears fruit will be pruned so that it bears even more fruit. Amen. And branches that do not bear fruit will be cut off and thrown in the fire. The parable of the talents about investing. Like Jesus has expectations. And, and read the Gospels. How often Jesus challenged people even sincere people think of the rich young man. It's like my. I was. I was thinking the other day. Uh, we had just in the, at mass a couple of days ago read the, you know, the section of the gospel where the three guys come up to Jesus says, "I will follow you." And you know, birds of the air have nests, foxes have holes. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And first, let me go and bury my father. You know, those three, three things. I was thinking, I don't think I'd ever have Jesus on on my alpha team. He'd like turn everyone off. <laughs> <laughs> We have this idea. It's funny how how often we have unscriptural ideas about Jesus or how scriptural fans are ideas of who Jesus was. Jesus challenged people. He had this remarkable thing. Even with the rich young man, it says that looking at him, he loved him. And he said, if you wish to be perfect, go sell what you possess and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And the man leaves. See, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then he issues his challenge. And and it comes back to the question, what do we want for people? Do we truly desire people to come to the feet of Jesus? And what are we willing to do about it? And are we truly convinced that this whole thing is about making disciples uh, and not just about doing sacraments? So what we talked a lot. What was interesting to me, uh, Father, we, we started off with this sort of uh, what I thought might be a tension between discipleship and, and, and um, sacraments. Uh, and we talked about the, the balance between word and sacraments, but it wasn't balance that you used. Instead, you really you spoke about it more as, uh, you know, one really leads to the other. One yes. comes first. This That's isn't right. a balance. This isn't a versus. Right. Uh, this isn't, you know, having things, um, you know, co-equal or, or one more important than the other or more central. It's really about a path and what comes first in order for us to 
to to uh, achieve the mission that really we were, were all commissioned to do. So so I guess my question is, we've talked a lot about sort of the first half of that at this point. We've talked about what what making a disciple might look like and the importance of it. But what does sacramental success look like? What does it mean to actually oh. do sacraments well? Yes, yes. It's well every priest, every people who every person who cares, you already know that answer is when someone uh, has has come to faith has and it doesn't matter where they are in their faith life it could be at the beginning but there's a beginning of a blossoming faith and and people return to sacraments whether it's the sacrament of reconciliation uh, you know which is so beautiful when people have changed lives we see that in alpha and what's often one of the first things they, they want to do is they, they they go back to confession we had an alpha testimony um, this past weekend yeah that's right, and uh, yeah and he said uh, after the Holy Spirit weekend, he had a powerful experience. He said he literally ran to confession for the first time in 10 years. And when you have that beautiful, heartfelt, like really mm-hmm. surrendering your whole life to God, it is incredible. What does it look like when you're, you're giving out communion at Mass and someone comes up and there's tears flowing down their face as they come to receive the Eucharist? When people are entering into the worship of the Eucharist with, with heart, with, with, with body, with, with voice, giving praise to God, uh, sacrament of the sick, we do it once a month here. It's so beautiful at Mass, and, and, it's, and it's incredible. Baptism, when you have faithful couples, and I don't care, I don't care how messy people's lives are. Like, like we'll, we get couples, you know, they're, they're living together. They're, 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 their lives are all messy, but the thing is that they've begun to take a walk in faith, and we'll work. And it, it's, see, it's not where you are in the journey. It's whether you're, you're willing to be on the journey at all. And if you're willing to be on the journey, we'll walk with you, we'll work with you, and we'll celebrate God coming into your life. And those are just so joyful. What Marriages of, of couples who have come to faith and really see their, their marriage as a sacrament, it's, uh, it's incredible. It's, it really is a kind of consummation. Uh, and then conversely, when you have those experiences and you know we're never going to see these people again, mm. and and there's almost a feeling of that I'm participating in something that is deep. It's like the emperor's new clothes. Like we all know, I, I talk about the experience in the book with, with with confirmation, but this really broke me. It was my first year as pastor, and I knew that so many of these kids were never going to show up. And we went through this ritual of you know, um, of pretense in in the liturgy itself. And and I came to a moment where I just said, I can't do this anymore. Um, so it, it's it's the two experiences are so different. I'll tell you the other piece of that same story is the community that's being built around here, like authentic Christian community. And so when we see people that have come through Alpha, sat at our table for ten weeks and ate dinner for ten weeks, and then join a connect group, and that's ongoing, and their kids come to the sacraments, you know their kids are are learning about the faith at home, over meals, uh, at bedtime. And when they're coming to the sacraments, there's a whole community that's celebrating with them. It's not, they're, they're not unknown. They're loved dearly and everybody's filled with joy. I know that uh, one of our testimonies this weekend was Wayne and he's going to be, his plan is to come into the church into full communion to the, with the Catholic Church this Easter. And guess what? He's going to have a load of people around him who love him dearly. I just think about that cloud of witnesses cheering us on, you know? They're here right now. They're here in our church. We're creating a community that's deeply in love with Christ and deeply in love with others. And that makes the sacraments unbelievable. And what a difference. You know, in our tradition from the early centuries, there's been a tension. There's been two, two poles when it comes to sacraments between 
uh, validity uh, and 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 fruitfulness. And very early on in the church, uh, after a time of persecution in the fourth century, there, there arose a question of of the clergy who had actually given in and uh, and and deny Christ. And then later, when the persecution was over, they came back, and the question was, are their sacraments valid because they because they, they had fallen? And the church discerned that, that sacraments are valid. The, the validity, the fact that God is actually going to work and do something is not based on the holy, the personal holiness of the minister. So you can guarantee that just because you're, you're, the minister of the sacrament has had a bad week, that the, your sacraments are still, that God is going to hold fast because it's God who works through that. So that was a question of validity. Uh, which was distinct from fruitfulness. But over the years, uh, I think a lot because of the what happened in the Reformation as Catholics, a lot of our theology and the things we concern ourselves have been really focused on the question of validity and fruitfulness has been a secondary thing. Uh, look at how we do marriage prep and uh, in, in the paperwork. It's all about validity, and which is really becomes a very abstract thing and not about fruitfulness. And I think by by turning this on its head, we need to say, Let's, the Lord desires fruit. Let's let's really take a good hard look at what we're doing in our churches and our parishes across the board, and literally let's blow up our model. Uh, let's blow up our practice, not blow up the sacraments. Let's blow up what we do. And we're going to talk, be talking about this in future I podcasts. I think that's where we're going to stop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <I> think, <laughs> so we're going to be get the dynamite, do, and, and uh, <laughs> I think that's the right way to, to end. Look, guys, uh, this has been a fabulous conversation, and you know, you both just started in, and I almost said nothing, which just tells me the passion both of you have for this topic, and it is absolutely wonderful to see. Uh, so, Father, for people listening, if they want to capture some more of, of you in their lives, where should they go? Probably the best way is Twitter, at uh, FJ Mallon, and... Uh, uh, we just actually started using Periscope. We actually Periscoped before we turned on the reco- the um, the mics. The best morning, way to so. watch Father James fumble with his phone. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So that's kind of a portal to to all things there. And Ron Huntley, where where should people look for uh, for more of you in their lives? Uh, come to Alpha. <laughs> but if they're too far away, they can find me on Twitter at uh, Ron underscore Huntley. And I'd also encourage folks if you're listening to these podcasts and you'd like some answers to some questions, you. You can tweet them to us and just put hashtag DRQuestion, and we'll try to uh, look at those and see if we can't speak into your lives with some of the podcasts we do. Thank you so much. And thank you to everybody who listens. It's been amazing, the, the feedback we've gotten. And the, the, I think the size of this thing has just become uh, more than we would have anticipated starting out. And we're, we're so grateful for, for you. And we hope that some of the things that we discuss here are, are speaking into your lives. Uh, be f- sure to check out the Divine Renovation website at divinerenovation.net. We've got a, a crazy conference coming up in 2016. And if you haven't signed up, what are you doing? Because you are absolutely doing it wrong. Uh, so we hope that you'll be able to join us here in person in 2016 and sit down with uh, Father James and Ron and hundreds of other people who are passionate about the church. And uh, with that, we, uh, we look forward to talking to you again next time.